I have a scripture, and we're going to be reading that in just a moment, but you could start to find your way there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll be reading a, a, a verse out of uh, 1 Corinthians 15 in just a moment. And as we gather together this morning in God's house, I believe that each and every one of us have a desire for two things. One, to, do, uh, to accomplish all that God's called us to do in this life. I believe that's a desire that we have. That what God's commissioned us to do, what God has called us to do, that we would finish that, that we would finish our race. So the day that we stand before the Lord, that we would be able to faithfully and truthfully say, Lord, I finished and I accomplished what you called me to do in this life. And secondly, is simply to do that, is to finish the race. Now, God's given us a task and a responsibility, each and every one of us, and we find that in the Word of God. But he's given us a mission field, each and every one of us. He's given us our families that we're born into, our, our, our social circles, our workplaces, our jobs, our schools. God's given us a mission field to make a difference in this world. And if we would all be honest, we would say, yes, I want to accomplish all that God has for me. But the question lies, why do so many stop pursuing what God has called them to do? Because we know what God wants us to do. We know God wants us to be faithful to him, to serve him. But the question is, why do so many stop pursuing what God has called them to do? As we strive to go forward to accomplish all that God's called us to do, why have many that have gone before us turned in their badge, so to speak, and they've taken their hand off the plow, and, and they've, they've forsaken what God has called them to do. We, we get the glimpse here in Luke 9.62, a scripture where Jesus said, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So we understand the importance of God's desire that each and every one of us would accomplish what he's called us to do in this world, to do in this life. He takes it seriously. And we see that because of the scripture we just read. Anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I believe that many have allowed circumstances and trials and the hardships of life to detour them from, from finishing this race, from walking according to God's word and will for their life. Now we know if you've been serving God for any amount of time, you understand that the, the, the Christian walk, that the life of a, of a follower of Christ is, is filled with highs and it's filled with lows. It's filled with the mountaintops and the best of times and it's filled with the valley lows in our life, the hardship, the trials, and yes, sometimes even the tragedies that we experience. But in all things, what does the Bible tell us? That who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I believe that there are folks uh, here this morning or perhaps watching online, you've gone through some hardships and you may, be through a, you may be in smack dab in the middle of a trial right now in your life. The Bible encourages and tells us who will separate you from the love of Christ. God's called you to be faithful, to be victorious. And so the fact is that each and every one of us, we're going to go through trials in this life, through hardships, through difficulties, through circumstances that test our faith. We're going to go through storms. But listen to this. The condition of your foundation will determine the results of your outcome. The condition of your foundation will determine the results of your outcome. 
What kind of foundation are we building our house on? Because the Bible says the trials are going to come. The tests are going to come. They're going to test your house. They're going to test the resolve of your foundation. So the question is, what kind of foundation are you and I building on? And it's easy for us to say, I built it on Christ, right? I'm building my house on the rock. It's easy to say that. We know that we all should be doing that. But time will tell and test as tests come. Time and results will show the true condition of our foundation. So this morning, I want to preach a message entitled, Stand Firm. In the sport of boxing, uh, if, if you follow boxing or you know anything about it, I mean, it's basically two, com- two competing people, right, getting in a ring and seeing who can outlast the other, who is better. And in the sport of boxing, there are many skills and techniques that will help someone win. We know that. But one thing that is most important are the legs, okay? The legs bring power and help you remain in the fight. One Hall of Famer said this, Andre Ward, who was a, is a boxing Hall of Famer, he said this. He says, the best coaches teach legs before they teach you hands. The best coaches teach legs before they teach you hands. And why is this? Because the stronger your legs are, The stronger your ability to stand and the stronger your legs are, the harder your punches will be, the longer you will be able to stay in the fight. And I believe in life sometimes in this Christian walk, we could could lose focus on the importance of a good foundation, on having strong legs, on being able to take a hit in our life and being able to stay in the fight. We're all enlisted. If we're following Christ, we're enlisted in this race. God's called us to this battle. And if you and I are going to last, if we're going to stand firm, it's going to be because of our foundation. We know that we've all made mistakes, made bad decisions. We've we've made decisions that don't help us sometimes. But God's grace is there, and we have to look at the fact that we have to be able to stand on the sure foundation. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Now here's our springboard scripture this morning. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm, the Bible says. The Bible gives us instruction to stand firm. Let nothing move you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads as we pray and agree. Amen. Father, we're so grateful, God, to be in your presence, God. We thank you, Lord, for calling us, God. We thank you for for keeping us, Lord God. And we know that you have so much for us to accomplish. And Father, we can't do it without you. Holy Spirit, we cannot do it without you. And I pray this morning that you would teach us Help us, Father God, to understand what it is to stand firm. Give us strength, God. Let us decrease and let your strength in us increase, Father God, that we would do all to stand. Father, we thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. And I look out this morning to awesome testimonies, faithful people that have been here for years and years serving God, And I know it doesn't mean that you haven't gone through anything, you haven't been through trials or circumstances, but you've made a decision to stand for him. You've made a decision to continue to follow him.
And if we're going to finish this race, we're going to have to look at some of the dangers that hinder our ability to stand firm. And the first thing are distractions. Man, there are many distractions in this world. You don't have to look far to be distracted. There, there's, there are so many things in this world that can distract us from the cause of Christ in our life. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.27, Turn not to the right hand or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Now why is the Lord telling us that? Because he understands there are distractions. You know, the devil, he's our ancient enemy. And if you and I have set our heart to serve God, if we've determined to serve God, you can be sure that the enemy's going to send distractions your way to deter you. And these take on the form of many things. But there are things that, that will catch your eye, that will catch my eye. Things that the enemy knows will distract us. See, we're all different in this place. We all come from different backgrounds, different upbringings, but there are those things that the enemy knows that will try to catch your vision, that will distract you from, from following Christ. The Bible says, turn not to the right hand nor to the left. See, as we serve God, we're going to have to keep our eyes fixed on him. Things will come at us, temptations, circumstances that would try to deter us from what God's called us to do, but the Bible instructs us to not turn to the right hand nor to the left. You know, and it's easy to hear this. It's easy to determine this here when, when we're all together, right? God's presence is here, and God's presence is always with us wherever we go, but there's something about being in the house of God, right? We dedicate our lives. We, we make a decision. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to do it. I'm going to accomplish all that God's called me to do in this next year, in 2022. I'm going to do all God's called me to do. But what happens when we, we get back into our daily routine, right? When you go back to work, or you go back to school, or you go back to wherever that mission field that I talked about, that wherever you have to go. See, the enemy will try to come at you when you're alone. He'll try to come at you when, when perhaps you're in a weak state and you're, you're not the strongest that you've been. The devil knows right and when to come at you. And what's going to help us? That each and every day that you and I would get up and we would determine in our heart to follow Christ. We decided to do it today, and here we are in God's house, in God's presence. Praise God. Praise God. You made a good decision this morning. But I'll tell you, if we're blessed to see tomorrow, tomorrow morning you're going to have to decide and determine again that I'm going to serve God. No matter what happens, I'm going to follow him. And if by God's grace that we see the next day, we're going to have to get up once again and determine, God, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to do what you've called me to do in this life. With each situation that comes against us and comes at us, we're going to have to determine in our hearts to keep moving on. See, we're distracted when we take our eyes off the prize. In Philippians 3.13, the Bible says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Do we hear the verbiage here? Do we hear what Paul is saying here as he's writing this scripture 
to God's house. He's saying that, that I don't consider myself to have arrived or to have attained, but I'm forgetting what is behind me and I'm straining towards what is ahead. We thank God for what he's done in the past. We thank God for what he did this year. We thank God for what he did last year, but we cannot dwell on that. We can't dwell on our past failures. We can't also not dwell on our past victories. God has so much ahead for us, church. And if we're not careful, we can live in the past. You remember what God did back then? Oh, those were the great times. You remember how God moved back then? Yes, those were the great times. And we thank God for that. We don't forget about that, but we do not live in that realm. Paul said here, I'm pressing forward. I'm forgetting everything that's behind me. I thank God for it. I give God praise for it. But what's best is what's in front of me. And for that, I'm going to strive forward. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I think if we could allow the Holy Spirit to change our perspective and align it with this scripture, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to help our lives. It's going to help us keep perspective. We're not going to be ungrateful because we're forgetting what God done. We're going to thank God for all that he's done. But we're going to believe and know that, that what God has for us in the future is what is best. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, church, if we're honest, if anything, if we've learned anything in the past couple of years specifically, we learned that life is so temporary, isn't it? Everything we have, we thank God for it, but it's temporal. We're not promised tomorrow. We thank God for it, we believe God for it, but we're not promised. And if, and if we've learned anything in the past couple years is that life is so temporary, so what should this cause us to do, church? It should cause us to, to look up. It should cause us to fix our eyes on what's ahead, on the things of heaven and not the things of earth beneath. That we have to look up. We have to always look up. In Philippians 1.27, the Bible says in the first part of that scripture, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's a catch-all phrase, isn't it? Whatever happens. Man, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. God's called you to his kingdom. God's called you to accomplish his will for your life. And whatever happens, he tells us, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That entails many things. Whatever happens when you're having some trouble at work, whatever happens when you're having some challenges in your marriage, perhaps, whatever happens when you're having some issues, perhaps in ministry, whatever happens when you're worried about how your kids are acting, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. God's given us his Holy Spirit, church, to strengthen us, to get us through those tough times, to get us through those trials and the situations that we face. So whatever happens, we will conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Church, it's not a time to, to throw in the towel. It's not a time to fly off the handle because of what you're going through. Trials and tests will come, but if we want to be kept, church, God will keep us. What are some other distractions that we face? Carnality. And I say this here in the true sense of the word. Looking at the things around us. Trying to gain fulfillment in things that are not of Christ. 
fulfillment in our own ambitions, in our own selfish desires, looking at things around us, uh, the things around us for fulfillment rather than Jesus. That's carnality. And if we're not careful, we can all step into that. So we have a sin nature, church, that we have to keep in check. By God's grace, with his help, we've got to keep it in check. When we begin to lean on our, our own understanding, our own abilities, then we're in danger, church. We thank God for our abilities and the skills that he's given us. We thank God for how he's created us and everything he's given us the ability to do. But we cannot lean on that, church. We have to lean on him. We have to trust in the Lord and depend in him always. Now there's a scripture in Jeremiah 17:5. Listen to this. This is what the, the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. The Bible said cursed is a man. We can't depend on our own strength, church. We have to depend on him. Each and every day we have to get up. We have to determine in our heart, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. Because how many know we can mess things up, can't we? Man, one decision. Perhaps you've, you've spent your life trying to get things right and make right decisions, but one bad decision can ruin everything, church. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Now, what does the Bible tell us? What's his direction? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord. Use your gifts. Use your abilities for him. Use it for God. But be strong in the Lord. Perhaps you find yourself dealing with the same issue over and over in your life. Perhaps you're frustrated because of that. Let's look deep in our hearts and ask yourself, are you depending on your own strength? Are you leaning on your own strength or are you being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power? It makes all the difference, church. We gotta stop doing it on our own. God's not called us to do it on our own. We're not built to do it on our own. Isn't that true? We're built to lean on him. We're designed to lean on him, to trust in him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Another thing that we have to watch out for in regards to standing firm is drifting. Drifting. There's a story I was reading about a man. His name was Richard Pham. And in May 2002, he set off for a short trip from Long Beach, locally here, Long Beach, California, to Catalina Island, which is said to only be a three-hour trip. Only a three-hour trip, a three-hour tour, right? Remember that? So here was this man named Richard Pham, and he set out to accomplish this trip in just three hours. But according to this man, according to the story here, that he claimed that, that the storm damaged his motor and destroyed his mast on his boat. And listen to this, and we're talking about drifting this morning. At the end of his ordeal, the story says he was rescued three months later and 2,500 miles away from his starting point. He was only 300 miles away from Costa Rica when they found him. In his mind and his plans, it was just a three-hour tour. 
a three-hour trip. But we see the, the danger of drifting with no power, with no sail, with, with nothing to be able to, to drive him. He drifted, and after three months, 2,500 miles away from his starting point. What does this show us, church? Drifting is dangerous. Drifting is tragic. And see, it doesn't take any effort to drift. All you have to do is just put your hands up and, and just let the current take you to wherever it's going to take you. But how many of us, and, and we thank God for what he's doing. We have his Holy Spirit and he drives us. But to hold on to what God's called us to hold on to, it takes some effort, right? It takes some resolve, resolve and some determination in our life. If you and I are going to get to where God's called us to get to, it's not going to be because we just threw our hands up and we let the current take us. If we let the current take us, it's going to take us somewhere God doesn't want us to be. But you and I have to stand firm and to be able to just stand still in God's kingdom, to, to hold fast, it's going to take effort. It's going to take resolve. It's going to take integrity. It's going to take work to stand firm and hold on to what God's called you to do. Because if we don't, we'll drift. We'll succumb to the opinions in this world, right? To the opinions on, on social media or the, the political opinions or the opinions that we hear about in the news or, or those around us. If we stop fighting, we're going to drift. In church, what God's given us is far too valuable to just throw our hands up and not fight for. Secondly, we have to let our roots run deep. There's a scripture here. In Jeremiah 17, verse 7, it says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. The Bible says there are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Man, isn't that good news? That's what I want to be, church. I want that to describe me and to describe my life. And I look out into this sanctuary, into this arena, and I see the lives of many that have, throughout the years, that have stood fast, that have been faithful to what God's called you to be. And you know, it's been such a testimony in my life. And I, I know it doesn't mean that we're perfect. I know it doesn't mean that, that you haven't made mistakes or perhaps made bad decisions. But look at you this morning. Here you are in God's house. Isn't that good news? Don't you give God thanks for that? Here you are in God's presence, still serving him. Why? Because your roots run deep. New believer, I would encourage you, let your roots run deep. The growth that God wants to bring in your life, stand fast. God wants to bless you. It would blow your mind if you would reveal all the things that he has for you, all the things he desires for you. He has great things for your life. But you're going to have to stand fast. You're going to have to let your roots run deep in Christ. This means that we don't just uproot and, and go wherever we feel like we want to go. Why? Because we understand that God is bringing growth in our life. 
You know, as you look out in nature, as you look out around us, I mean, you think of the, the biggest and the most fruitful trees that you see, and it, it means that they, they haven't been planted from here to here to here and moved on from here. No, they've let their roots run deep. And in Christ, that's God's desire for us, that we would be planted, that he would be able to accomplish all that he's desired us to do. There's a tree known as the shepherd's tree. And it's native to the Kalahari Desert. And it's said that this tree, the shepherd's tree, it has the deepest documented roots. They're measured at more than 230 feet deep. And it goes on to say, and there's a picture there, that their depth was discovered accidentally by drillers of groundwater wells. You think of this tree. Because its roots are deep, what happens? Despite drought, despite conditions in the world around it, this tree is able to sustain life. Why? Because its roots run deep. And this is an example for you and I, church, to let growth take place in our life. It means you're going to have to be patient. Don't we get frustrated sometimes that, that we're not growing as fast as we want? Right? We have plans in our, in our mind and in our life, and we, we think that things should follow a certain course. And it's great to have those plans, right? It's great to have those godly desires that you would grow in this area and this area. But how many have been frustrated that you're not growing as fast as you want to? And it's times like that that the enemy would come and try to convince you to throw in the towel because you're not seeing the fruit, perhaps, that you desire. You're not seeing the change, perhaps, that you desire. But God's word for you and I today, church, is to stand firm. Let patience have its perfect work, as the Bible says. Let God's will be done in your life. Stand firm and stand fast so that growth can take place in your life. Let your roots run deep. So how do you let your roots run deep? When you dig into God's word each and every day. God's word. Learn it. Love it. Read it. Digest it each and every day. Get into the word of God. Because the Bible says there are many voices in the air. There are many voices. There are many things that are, that are trying to feed your spirit. You turn on the news. You look at social media. You look at this opinion, that opinion. You hear what this person is saying. And there's so many voices in the air, and if we're not careful, if we don't guard our heart, guard our spirit, we're allowing those, those things to be sown into our life. But God wants us to take in his word, that his word, that his word would bring change, that his word would help us in our lives. We have to dig. Seek that revelation that God has for you in his word. His word, love it, read it, remember it, memorize it, know it. Matthew 24, 35, the Bible says, Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. My words will never disappear. The Bible has told you 20 years ago that God is, is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. I'll tell you what, today that is still true as it's ever been. If God is our redeemer, if he told you years back that he is your redeemer, that is true today as it's ever been. When you came to know the Lord, when he told you that he, that, that he is your Savior, that he will forgive you, he tells you that again today. 
that he will take your sin and he will cast it into the deepest sea of forgetfulness. God's word never changes. Learn his word. Read it. Know it. How else do we let our roots run deep? Never stop praying, church. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. Ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Be in an attitude of prayer. You know, it's powerful. You think about the will of God. And in heaven, God's will is transpiring 100%. God's will is done in heaven each and every moment. God's will is done. And it's God's desire that his will would be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that what the Bible says? That's God's desire, that the will of God will be done in your life here on earth. But there is opposition. There is an enemy that we have. So we're going to have to stand firm, church. Stand on what God's given you. Stand on the word of God. Never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to have to draw near to God. James 4, 7, and 8. The Bible says, So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. God was bringing correction here. But I'm looking at this scripture, and the Bible says, Humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, I'm seeing some strategy here in the Word of God. Resist the enemy. Yes, we have to resist temptation. And the Bible says that the enemy will flee from you. But what is our, our next course of action after that? After we resist the enemy, after we resist temptation, what do we do? It says there in verse 8, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Draw near to him each and every day. You're fighting temptation. You're battling against temptation. You resist the enemy. And the Bible says that the devil, he will flee from you. But come close to God and God will come close to you. Never stop chasing after him, church. Never stop chasing after him. Don't ever get comfortable where you are. Comfort has a way of just, just holding on to us and slowing us down. See, God gives us peace. His Holy Spirit gives us peace through each and every situation. But, it, but the Word of God here in verse 8 says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Yes, resist the devil, and, and he will flee from you. But draw close to God, and he will come close to you. What does that mean? That you involve yourself in the things of God, that you're around what God is doing. When the church doors are open, when we're having service, be at church service. Can you say amen? Be here. Show up you got to show up because God desires to do so much more for you and I. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. And lastly, church, we have to be the influence in this world. We have to be that influence. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, the Bible says you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way, for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only few ever find it. Be the influence, church. We have the answer. There's so many around us at our workplaces, at our schools, 
our families that still need to surrender to God be the influence. God's given you and I the answer. He's called us to lead. He's called us to be an example to this lost and dying world. See, as we're walking this straight and narrow gate, the Bible says there are only few who ever find it. So don't be surprised if the life that you're living is not a popular life. If at work, perhaps, you're the one standing out. And standing out many times feels good, but sometimes standing out, it doesn't feel so good. It feels a little awkward, right? If we're honest with ourselves. But be that person. Be that son, that daughter of God that is the influence. And yes, we influence with, with our words. We influence by how we talk and the things we say. But you also influence by your demeanor, by your heart, by your humility and how you follow after Christ. You're being an influence to those around you, to those in your household. And they may, yes, they may even poke fun at it. They may try to make you feel awkward because of the stance that you're taking for Christ. It's okay. The Lord is cheering you on. He sees your faithfulness. He sees where you're at. He sees what you're doing. Be the influence. Because the fact is, they're looking for someone to follow, church. Your coworkers are looking for someone to follow. They may not say it, but they're looking. Your family members that aren't serving God, they're looking for someone that's real, for someone to follow. They may not say it, but they think it. And as you and I are the influence, church, we're going to impact this world for Christ. Amen. Amen. We're going to impact this world by standing firm. Now listen to the scripture here in Isaiah as I prepare to close as the, uh, the worship team makes their way up. Isaiah 61, verse 3. This is here. The word of God is talking about his people, and, and we are his people. Isaiah 61, 3. To all who mourn in Israel... He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. Now listen to this. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Great oaks. An oak tree is faithful. An oak tree grows strong. An oak tree will grow through the tough times and through the good times. And that's what the Word of God tells us. They will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for His own glory. And when I look around here in this sanctuary, I see brothers and sisters that have determined in their heart to stand for Christ. Despite the circumstances and what comes at you, despite the trials and the hardships, despite the mountaintops and the valleys, you've determined in your heart to stand firm. And church, that's making all the difference. And because you and I have Christ in our lives, we are a beacon of hope to those that are around us. And again, they're not, they may not say it outright, but they're watching and they're looking. And who knows 
Tomorrow may be the day that you get that phone call from that loved one that would say, I'm ready. I see you living for God. How do you do it? What you have, I want that for my life. Perhaps you're one conversation away there at your workplace from someone approaching you and saying, hey, I see how you live. How do you do it? There's a wide open door for you to share the love of Christ. Or perhaps in the four walls of your home, you've done your best to be faithful, to stand for Christ. You're one question away from someone asking you, how do you do it? It's because you've stood firm. It's because of your faith. It's because you've desired that God would keep you. And he's been, he's been faithful in that, hasn't he? He's kept us, hasn't he? He's kept us throughout the years. Although there have been pains, tears, hardships, trials, difficult situations, and yes, even tragedy, here you are in God's house. And you're standing firm. And I want to close with this scripture, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Amen. You received that this morning? Let's give God praise in this place. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, God. We thank you, God, for your keeping power, Lord God. We thank you for your wondrous works, God, for all that you're doing in our lives, God. And we give you the glory. We give you the honor this morning, God, for all that you've done, God, because we know it's been you. It hasn't been us. It's been your strength, God. It's been your ability. It's been you, Holy Spirit, that has been keeping us and helping us. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning.